I'm John Graft, and I love Chicago real estate. Between showings, I stop in my favorite places, talk with local business owners, and bring their story to you. This is my Chicago. My clients like, can you FaceTime me? I was like, no. I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> I I, I, I'm like, can so. you jump on Facebook real quick, and we'll just do it that way? And like, it became this thing, so I had to get an iPhone. But the, oh, because people want I got an to iPhone. Be, yes, that's basically the reason. But and, what, what do you think? I love it. Well, so going from an so here's the thing, they have a better ecosystem, they have a smoother experience, yeah, but it's, it's an inferior easy. phone, and like every capacity, it's an inferior phone because it's more like oh, I, Android, it's more like user like it's okay. So you, it, iPhones made so you don't mess anything up, uh-huh. and so you know there's a. 15 year old girl who's using it and doesn't want to figure anything out she just wants it to work or like an older or an older person yeah absolutely anybody really right people just want the phone to work me i want the phone to be optimized and i want to be able to use it for what i do day to day and it's more of like a business tool and you can this way you can you don't have to log onto the computer to like use yes correct or or make edits and i can expand that in android much further than you can with an iphone yeah that being said this has dobe video which is the first cell phone Mm -hmm. to ever have it this Mm -hmm. is the first iphone any phone so it's worked out really well is the camera better on these or uh no no but it has dobe okay so the dobe gives this crispness Mm -hmm. that is hard to achieve on another cell phone yeah but Adam's phone, for instance, we've tested it. Yeah. His is like a year older, and my this one's better. But if you look at the new Androids that are coming out, like they passed this. So there's always really? that. The, my Everything biggest, is always going to get better. Exactly. Yeah. My biggest problem is these are only 12 megapixels on a camera, mm-hmm. and 12 mixel, megapixels isn't a lot. Like you can't zoom in on photos. You never know how grainy uh, oh, yeah. iPhone photos can look. Oh, yeah. and it's super and like annoying. And videos and stuff. Yes. Like it's, uh, yes. it, it makes a huge difference when it comes Next, to. You don't want more megapixels for video. Really. You want Oh, okay. And so the other ones, like Samsung, they've been great at, and I wouldn't even buy a Samsung. There's too much I don't like about them. But they're really good. They're just like, we're going to make our media better than anything that's out there. That's just like what we're going to focus on. That's what they focus yeah. on. Like we're not going to. Yes. Yeah, mic check. We're all Is mine? Okay, I don't even, okay. You're like, I've been hearing you this whole time. <laughs> Have you always had an iPhone? Uh, since like 2012, I okay. think I, because I, when I was working in banking, I had the BlackBerry and yeah. I loved that because I was just so used to that. But it was just so like the pictures and just like Graininess. using the internet, using little buttons. For yeah, everything. and then, like that little ball, like <laughs> moving that thing around. One, one of my first like, smartphones had the ball, and I loved the ball. I was like, yeah. "This is great! Like you're getting rid oh, of this." Oh, it was great for the the um like playing a game there was some like game that i used to play on it i was like this is so cool and it's just like like almost like a novelty like yes but it was so like if i had to google something just like googling something it was impossible it was like, yeah it was so long it took so long um so that's when i, I switched an iphone i feel like it must have been like right before i left banking um and then when you were in banking were you using the iphone again well, when I was in banking, you had two phones, so yeah. you, so I Everyone had, had the BlackBerry, and the BlackBerry, you know, they still use that BlackBerry security, like an email, a number of companies do, because it's one of the best secure servers. Oh yeah, we used to use that, so they, so they gave us, a, they would give us a BlackBerry um, for work, and like that's where all our work emails went to, and then that's what we used as, um, 
like the passcode when you would you know the it's Protect like the, the yeah, yeah or is that what it's called I that's what it's called remember. now i remember i used to have the man this is like really aging me um <laughs> i used to have that little like tablet thing or the it's like just a little like a fob yeah uh-huh. um and it would have different numbers all the time okay and to log into my secure like jp morgan secure site i had to um like verify through that. Yeah. So BlackBerry had that built into their um, doctors thing. use something similar today when they're doing prescriptions. So if it's a controlled oh. substance, when they want to send it in, they have this button device and they have to approve it as they're doing oh, it. Oh, so they in can monitor it, it. Yes. or so that not they, but like some someone, big I guess, brother have or some record yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So how did you go into banking, into owning, or bake, banking into baking? I guess that's yeah, I know. I to call this now, actually. People like investment banking to investment banking. Um, so I um, first, so throughout college, I always wanted to get into finance. And like, I just, that was just what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to make money. Um, What's your school? And I went to Smith College. So okay. it, was a, it was a liberal arts school. So it was a little unusual for me to want to go into finance um, as my field. But that's what I want. I want, I wanted what I wanted. So I got into um, investment banking immediately out of college. I did M&A in New York, uh, mergers and acquisitions in New York. And then um, my husband, well, boyfriend at the time was in Chicago. So shortly after I started, I wanted to um, transfer to Chicago. And then- Were you doing long distance? We were doing long long distance. We met in college. So we've been together like Oh so God, this is really dating me, like 15 years, almost so you, 15 years. So you were both at Smith and then... Well, Smith is an all-women's college. He was okay. at Dartmouth. You went to an all-women's college? Yes. What's that like? It was it was interesting. It's very pro- progressive, as you might imagine. But yeah. then it was also, I love that it was really deep-rooted in tradition because it was... It seems forwards and backwards at the same time. It, it, and it is. It's like, because uh, they started these women colleges as like basically a place where all the Ivy League colleges can go and find their future wives. Really? Yeah, Smith was um, Yale's sister school, so that's where all the, like, Yale... Was Yale ever all-male? Yeah. So it started off as all-male? Yeah, all of the the Ivy League schools, they were all-male. I had no idea. They were all-male, and then, so, then all these women wanted... So it started the sister school for the sisters. Yeah, well, exactly. They were like, well, we need some educated young women because we have all these educated young men. So then... um, and a lot back I mean back when they were first started a lot of these women didn't finish their programs they got picked up yeah because they got like they they went on the marriage market and um, already found their husband so that's kind of the history of um, women's colleges so they're old like Smith is one of the first ones I don't I can't remember the date off my head but it was sometime in the 1800s when they um, started and it was shortly after um, the first Ivy League start. Uh, so quickly they realized this issue and went to solve it. They're like, yeah, we need a place to park the ladies while the men get an education. And also would it would be nice when um, a nice place for them to find their future wives. Do you know when they went from all male to co-ed? Uh, a lot of them were different times. Um, most of them, I think, were in the 50s, 60s. Okay. Like, right around... So, it, they were... Recent. Re- I mean, relatively recent. I mean, yes. Smith and Mount Holyoke and Barnard are the only ones that are still all women's. Okay. 
that I can remember off the top of my head. I might be forgetting some. A lot of them merged. For, oh, Wellesley, sorry. Wellesley is the other one. Um, a lot of them merged. Like, for example, um, Radcliffe was Harvard's sister school, and okay. they merged with Harvard. Um, Harvard had two sister schools. Wellesley is the other one, so that one stayed. One wasn't enough, so they traded another one? Yeah, they were like, I mean, you're Harvard, so you get another one. Or or maybe Wellesley was someone else's, and they were just like, but you're still close to Harvard. When you were in high school, what was going through your head where you're like, I'm going to go to an all-girls school? I, I, knew, I knew someone, an older, like my mom's mentor. So she, at the time, she was like in her 80s or 90s, and she okay. went to Wellesley. And I just always thought that she was just so poised and elegant and graceful, um, incredibly intelligent, and she just spoke wonderfully of Wellesley. Um, and then, so I started looking into all women's colleges through her, or from just from knowing her. And then the more I started um, meeting these women who were um, these women college alums, mostly from Wellesley and Smith, I was just fascinated by their stories um, and I was just really interested in that concept like what if because it's almost like a case study like what yeah. if you take sex out of the uh, sorry sex as in gender not sex as in anyways I uh, think it's both yeah well, yeah it's, it's somewhat both <laughs> um, and I thought that that I, I think that um, as women like sometimes we behave differently when a male presence yeah. is around and also I think like a lot of times we get uh, kind of pushed back because men, um, again, this is a very general statement, um, men just are used to speaking up and yeah. are, and by nature they're very confident. Um, and I think, so I thought I was really interested in how um, these women, these women college alums were just incredibly confident, incredibly um, well-spoken uh, and just very sure of themselves so I thought that that was just an interesting experience was it all female professors as well no okay. that was mixed that'd be and taking then, it a little too far I feel because then, then you're losing out on just whatever male talent yeah you're provide. just kind of like well this is what yeah yes. no it was it was co it was whatever professors and there were and I would say the professors were 50-50 okay um so it wasn't maybe so, even so more had male. An environment where you could arguably be more comfortable because it's all female. You're not trying to impress someone. You don't have to put on your makeup necessarily. Like there's less of the pressures mm -hmm. I would imagine of going to class and being on campus. We there there were less there were fewer social pressures. Um, so for example, we don't have we didn't have sororities, so we don't have to worry about rushing for a sorority. And then there weren't things like um, yeah there weren't. It's a little different in that uh, you don't have to worry about like what you look like during yeah. class, assuming you're straight. So, um, so would you? That's a good yeah. point. Would you recommend it to young girls coming up and deciding what schools they should go to? I mean, if I if I had a daughter, which I that is not in the cards for me. I have two sons and another one on the way, so it's a it's a, it's a boy factory over here. Um, I would recommend I. I thought it was a really interesting experience. I don't, I don't think I'd re recommend it for anyone, everyone. Um, but I do. I really enjoyed my experience there, and I just, I really love um, places rich in, tr rich in tradition and have have like a really rich history. And I just love that um, these women colleges have that. For example, every Friday we had Friday tea. 
we had afternoon tea. Were and the clubs? The whole, <laughs> no, but we did serve tea, and we had um, little a uh, little tea tray like of pastries and sandwiches and such. And we would sit it, and we lived in houses instead of dorms. But our houses were our dorms, and we would sit in the living room and gather and talk about our weeks. And I always thought that that was such a just such a nice reprieve from the you know the academic chaos that we yeah. were in. I went to a military school. Oh, really? By choice. Uh-huh. And it was all male. Mm-hmm. And I was only there for one year. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, basically, we were moving, and we visited the schools where we were going to mm-hmm. move, we were supposed to move, and they were terrible. Uh-huh. And the schools where I was at before were great, and I liked them, and I didn't want to switch them. Mm-hmm. And so I had two options. I had boarding school, and I had military school. Mm-hmm. And I visited both, and I liked military school more, mm-hmm. so I decided to do that. And then we never moved, so I went back. But for one year of my life, I went to military school, and I find it responsible for a lot of the positive traits I have because it taught me how to be responsible for everything. Mm -hmm. Everything is on you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there would would have ever been another experience in my life at such a pivotal point in my life where I would have experienced that and had that opportunity. I mean, I think it's very, uh, almost like, unapologetically like this is what I, like we're not trying to appease everyone yeah this is this is what we are we are what we are so if that's what you're interested in come on board well like this is versus a school that's trying to impress progressives and conservatives yes. and um, people who are helicopter parents and people who are um, you know kind of leave them parents yeah so I think I, I do like I, I don't know the term themed school but it just had a school with a specific agenda there's an agenda yeah Yeah. you know it's you know what you're getting into like you go to a military school you can expect yeah you can it's gonna be tough yeah you can kind of you kind of have an idea of what what awaits you so you brought up helicopter parents did you have tiger parents um, were your parents very involved in your upbringing in terms of pushing you into a school or making sure I things work out? I would say my mom was always pretty academically focused. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a professor and okay. she's um, quite intelligent. So I think that was always a focus for her. Um, I would say that as a parent now to my three-year-old, I, I, and just knowing my parenting style, I think I'm definitely more of a tiger mom than my mom was. Okay. Um, but I think my mom was also a, a single working mom. So okay. she, while she perhaps had highest aspirations for me, she doesn't necessarily have the time mm-hmm. um, to monitor my, you know, my academics. She just had to trust that I did it. So. Do you, have you heard the new term for parents? Oh, no. So it's a, a snowplow parent? Ah, uh, yes, I have heard of that. It's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't conjure up uh, a positive Im- image yes. in my mind. But. Just move everything out of your child's way. Yeah. You, you take care of it. Make the path clear. You need help opening that? I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. College admissions? Okay, let's see what we can figure out here. We, you, you yeah, need... well, we're a team. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's not that you're responsible. Yeah. 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 So you went to this college, and then you went to Manhattan. Yes, I went to Manhattan, got uh, got into investment banking, then moved to Chicago. Your husband went to Chicago when you guys split paths? Uh, or your boyfriend or fiance at the time? Uh, at the time, my boyfriend, he uh, he got he started a job in Chicago and saw himself living there long term. 
So then I moved to Chicago because, um, again, I was at J.P. Morgan. It was easy to, it's easier to move within that within company, company. Mm-hmm. because it's a very large company versus he was at um, a boutique high-frequency firm, which okay. is high-frequency is mainly centered in Chicago. Um, so I uh, moved to Chicago. Then we sh- shortly after, we got engaged. And um, at the time, we just realized that I, I mean, at the time I was working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. So I moved to Chicago, but rarely saw my then fiance. Um, so I, we sh- realized that this wasn't going to be, and I, I, I started not enjoying the work. I just didn't really. What are you doing on the M&A side? Were you putting that many hours in? Are you, are you underwriting? Are you analyzing? It, it depends on the deal, but it, in investment banking, you're essentially the financial advisor to the company, whether it's on the buy side or on the sell side. So let's just take, for example, um, we're advising on the buy side. So as the investment bank, so I'm speaking for like not my um, my position in particular, but as the bank, like as my team, we are advising our client on the, the best option to uh, like it, and it, again it depends whether they're looking for different strategic alternatives or whether they already have a company in mind that they want to purchase so let's say they have a company in mind okay they have a company in mind and let's say that that company oh it's very much like real estate okay so for example like uh there's a, a company and they're like okay we want to sell ourselves like we need we want to market ourselves and then there are all these like potential group of buyers that um that are looking into this one business and they... Um, so does that business, if they want to be on the selling block, are they, do they go to JP or they go to Goldman and they're like, hey, represent us? So they, they, they'll have another represent, okay. another financial advisor. So mm-hmm. for example, if I'm on, we're on JP Morgan, they probably, maybe they have Morgan Stanley or maybe okay. they have um, uh, Goldman Sachs or something. So on the sell side, they have someone representing them. So they have a... It's almost like a real estate agent. Okay. So, so they have an broker agent. Broker and broker. Yeah, broker and broker. We're broker. Basically, we're a broker. So um, they have someone who's like making them look nice, like taking their photo- photos, but basically putting together a deck showing like here are our financial highlights. Um, here and hiding what. the rest and burying the rest. Or no? Yeah. <laughs> deep into the <laughs> deep into the virtual. Uh, what did we call it? The the virtual room where the three D tour. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, in the closet, in the electrical <laughs> closet, right? Um, so, as, on the buy side, if we're one of many uh, potential buyers, we have to, you know, it's similar to real estate. Like, we submit our offer, then they kind of go back to the best options, and they're like, okay, you're invited to the next round, do more due diligence, um, submit an offer, and then go back to the ones usually there's two or three rounds um go back to the ones that they're interested in and they're like okay now we move on to the third step of the process um and it's just each pro it's just more due diligence so for example inspection you know you think in real estate it's like inspections and then um attorney review and just or i guess it would start with like open house and showings and then inspections you're opening it up to the world and i imagine if you're selling a business there's really 
only so many buyers of that business. Oh yeah, of course, because it's like one. It's a limited it's a particu- space. Particular industry. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What's the uh, balance sheet like for that? For the potential buyers, mm-hmm. whether they have cash or the capital, or well, I think of something like funded. a like a grocery store, right? Like there's really only a few chains of grocery stores, and so yeah. if there, let's say there's a smaller private grocery store somewhere, they're if they, they want to sell, it's going to be a conglomerate that picks it, them up. Yeah, I mean, for example, look at um, look at like Verizon, like if Verizon wanted to sell, who could potentially buy Verizon? AT&T, yeah, T-Mobile. exactly. And then the SEC is going to get involved and be like, what are, you, are we doing? Or the yeah, FCC, and I remember F- that FFC, deal, right? the uh, AT&T and uh, T-Mobile deal. Oh, yeah. That so, was back in my time um, when I was in investment banking. But anyways, I digress. So um, as when I was working in investment banking, I was an analyst so I'm on the lowest on the totem pole so everything that needs to be done trickles down to me so I did the financial analysis I did the comps I did the um, and it's it is really similar to uh, real estate you know you have to see whether this cash flow makes you know from an investment standpoint whether it makes sense and then from a comp standpoint like am I overpaying for this company compared to um, its comparables and then recent transactions so like like it's literally it's the it, same thing yeah it's <coughs> with more like, zeros it's like yes just a few, a few more <laughs> but, um it's it's and it also like a company generates revenue it's more um but it, it is very similar when you look at um the valuation of a company versus um a home so sometimes i think that that's my downfall when i'm looking at a home like i'm like do you oh, think you're overly analytic Oh yes, and yeah. then my husband is too. So we're we're just like drilling, like that, these narrowing are oak floors. us they had maple ourselves. over there, and the cost per square foot for that is X. So like you're like 15 off. Oh yeah, we're like <laughs> we're like oh look at this. Like most people see a roof deck, and they're like oh this is wonderful, a built out roof deck, and we're like oh we have to tear this thing up, and like in order to see the roof, or like if we ever want to do anything on the roof, like we have yes. to tear it up. So we're on that note. The best way to go are the newer porcelain tiles that they put up there. Have you oh, seen these? Oh, no. So, oh, yes, 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 yes. I have. They're yes. like... So um, forget the deck. Forget a wood deck. Forget a, uh, a Trex deck. Mm-hmm. Just go with these lightweight porcelain tiles. They're not cheap, but they're very thin now, and they just have basically a base on them, mm-hmm. and you can pull them up. That or squares of Ipe are my favorite choice. Oh. One or the other. I, I think I've seen the squares of Ipe. Yeah. But if you like I'm, wood, I'm that's intri- the best way to I'm go. intrigued by the, these porcelain tiles. But anyways, yeah, it's... It's very similar. We're, we're kind of our own worst enemy because, you know, the more houses you see, the more you want. Yeah. Or the more you know you don't want. Well, you, yes, because you, you, you pinpoint the smaller items that you like, and now you're trying to find those things as you continue your search in one home. But you're like, we saw these in six homes scattered over six months, maybe. Now we're trying to find the perfect one. Why don't you just I'm, build? We're on a timeline. <laughs> and building takes two years. Yeah. And even, like, finding a good base like uh if right we want to convert uh even like we were, we were looking into converting a multi-unit mm-hmm. we're like that's six to eight months of permitting and designing and then at best at best and maybe that's if you know what you maybe want. you can rent it out at that point but then you're like then i'm a slum here and then um and then it's another year for the build itself yeah it's like so if you're lucky on the year if you're lucky and then also and and yes you get what you want like we we did a gut rental of our place and we loved it but now i'm kind of like 
like I like it, but I don't really care. Like this is eight years later. Like so I'm like, the, well, the worst I think thing we that happens. Just as happy in a in a, a place that we bought new. Would people build or they renovate? The worst thing that happens is they're walking through the home later and they're telling you they're like, we should have done this here, but we didn't, and we thought this was a good idea, but it wasn't. And it, I hear more remorse with people that build homes than success. You have so much pressure. There's so many decisions. There, there, and there are so many options. Yes. So you're like, I, okay. I want um, uh, this type of marble on my countertops. And they're like, okay, there's this type of marble, but here are all the different options. I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, just wh- whatever's the cheapest one. Is that yes. like, is that okay to is say? Is that the right like, way to do this? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, or, or like how I pick out wine in a restaurant, I'm like the second cheapest one. <laughs> like, it's just whatever is like I can scrape by yes. without like I don't want the most expensive I don't want the cheapest but I want it to be close to the cheapest so I, I do feel like building it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of decisions and I just I like I I am designed like I, I am creative like I like having that creativity come out but at the same time I need to be limited like yeah. it's like the smaller menu right when you yeah. have these, like, remember those old di- I mean, diners still have it, but you go through a oh, diner and there's like five pages. You're like, wait, I can get gyros and I can get a salad or like you're can, everything under the sun is here. And you guys are serving breakfast. Yes. Like, yes. It's like, just give me like five options in each category and I can usually make the decision pretty well. Yeah. So I, that, that's why we don't want to build. Also the, the options aren't great for building at the, for us at least at this point. But, um, yeah, it's. Anyways, that's that's a whole nother. I'm so like, yeah. I could talk Side, forever sidebar. about. So you moved back to Chicago. Moved back to Chicago. Decided um, I didn't want to stay in finance, not just investment banking, but I didn't want to stay in finance either. I didn't want to go into my options at that point were going to private equity, going to, uh, go work at a hedge fund, um, or go to business school. And I wasn't. Int- I was never interested in business school. I think business school is great that just I was just not interested in it um I didn't want to go into private equity because that was slightly better slightly better than investment banking and then um I just wasn't that interested in um hedge fund working at a hedge fund so that was also what was it what tell me more why why wasn't finance for you even though you spent this time and it got established there well now looking back sometimes I'm like oh maybe I should have like pursued that a little more but more so I think my husband and again at the time fiance but we we wanted me to be around more so if I worked in a hedge fund or if I worked in private equity I would still be working about 70 70 hours a week which is maybe slightly better than the eight I guess that's better than 80. That is better than 80 or 100, but it is hard to start a family. So that was something that I I cared a lot about. And then also I I started getting into cooking and baking and I just found, I just found that so fulfilling too, feeding people. Joy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And it it started as a hobby and then I I was like, maybe I can make this hobby or passion um, something that... I can monetize on. So, had you was, always been cooking, or was this something that you realized later in life? This was something I realized later in life. Mm-hmm. I was never, uh, and I, I just love that you could start with a recipe, 
and then kind of make it into your own thing. I'm sure your wife uh, does I, this a lot, like she, the market research, mm -hmm. uh, finding something she likes and then making it into her own. I think there's a very sincere and honest joy that comes from feeding others and seeing the happiness on their face. It's just so pure, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's like, pure. It's, just like it's very, exactly what it is. Um, it is down to the earth, the purest form of joy you can give someone because you created something, mm -hmm. you put it in front of them, and they sincerely like it. They're not just giving you lip service. And you're feeding them. Mm -hmm. Like, you're nourishing their body. Like, there's yes. just something so um, innate about that. Yeah, you know? it's almost and it's religious. Yeah, and it's just very, um, it's just really fulfilling. So when I left investment banking, I kind of knew I, I wanted to per pursue this passion in some in some sense. Were I you and your husband married at that stage? Yeah, I left investment banking. We were engaged, and then we got married about a year later. And then when I was married, that's kind of when I felt like I wanted to, because I didn't have kids, so I wanted, I had a lot of time on my hands, so I wanted to do something, so... Um, we figured this was a great time to start a business because we um, we were in a position where um, we could fund it ourselves mm -hmm. and we had no kids we didn't have any other commitments it just felt like a good time to start a business so that's when I started um, so I mean it, it it didn't happen overnight um, it, and it took a few years for me to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted it to be I wanted it to be by the park um, so it was on Clark Street um, and like in Lincoln Park but um, so it took a few years and then that's when I got the cookie shop up and running um, in 2000 November 2015 so how did you figure out that's the, the part of the industry you wanted to go into and was there any inflection point where you're like cooking is mine I like this I want to do this so I, I decided in particular what I wanted to go into cookies it was purely economical mm -hmm. um, again as your I'm sure your wife knows um, and, and you know meat costs money and produce costs money and meat goes bad yeah produce goes bad yeah and then you have to store it yes you, there's like all this cold thing. storage costs yes everything costs and then you have to cook it too yeah. like not just, now to the shelf life it. changed too because it's only gonna last on the, on the shelf exactly. so long and then when you cook it you need that space too so anyways I, I was thinking of it and this was like my analytical side like yeah. from an investment standpoint I'm like oh my god the the kitchen that I would have to build out for even just a cafe mm -hmm. like even if I just wanted to make let's just say I wanted to make sandwiches mm -hmm. that's all I wanted to do the space required for that like you need all this fridge space you need all and then like if I want to serve coffee I needed the of course, you have to have the deluxe yeah. espresso. Yeah, we. I mean, we serve coffee, but like we didn't have the espresso. But that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. And then you need a water line here, and then you need how many sinks, and then you need all this prep space. It was just so that's why I um, narrowed it down to um, cookies. And we first started out with cookies because I'm like, great, this is the shelf life on cookies is long. What is I mean, it, it At depends. At least a week, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't serve wing old cookies, but like, you know, you, it's not like with cupcakes where you have to throw them out at the end of the day. Or Really? Well, sorry, at the end of, I, I don't know what, I, I am sure every. I imagine it's just, if it gets too hard, like you got to toss it. And I'm sure every bakery has, uh, has their own uh, 
take on that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I do not wish to comment on that um, because I don't, you know, I'm in no position to uh, comment on that. But I do think, like, it's it was just you had to have a, a refrigerated display for uh, for cupcakes and things like that because you can't. So, but with cookies, it can they can remain room temperature. And I also wanted with the to cupcakes. Be, is it the frosting? Is that part of the reason? Yeah, the buttercream. Yeah, makes um, sense. it's not the cake itself; it's the buttercream. Um, but I wanted to be like kind of like like the Stan's Donuts of mm-hmm. cookies, and I or like the Molly's cupcakes of cookies. And I just felt like that that was the other reason why I picked cookies was I felt like a cookie is this delicious pastry that really hasn't been reinvented or. Um, Re, uh, you know, just expanded on. Yeah, and and they vary so much. I yeah, mean, the the cookies my grandma makes are completely different than the cookies my wife makes, and those are all different than I. I think the best go-to cookie you can get in the city that's like reasonable and they're everywhere is Potbelly. Like, Potbelly has really fresh. And I good, always say that. Yes. I always say that. I'm always like Potbelly's has these delicious cookies, and they're like they're the best. Yeah, they're like I, I've never really thought of that. I'm like, well, you like they're like a do- I, I don't. They're cheap for they're what like they are. They're like a dollar fifty and or something. They're approachable and they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. Yeah, and they're always they're always good. They're, they're fresh very too. Consistent. Yes. Yeah. So that was something. They, I, they get rid of them at the end of the day. If you go to a Potbelly a little bit before closing, they'll just give them to you. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm headed tonight <laughs> um, for dessert. Um, so I, and I always thought that like cookies, sometimes you go to a place and cookies like four and a half dollars yeah. and you're like, this is. For one. For one. The cupcake, or, I sort of kind of like, understand it. And and they're like, it, it's like this big. And I'm like, whoa, can I have a quarter of that for a quarter of the cost? Yeah. So, so we always make, we try, I tried to be reasonable in my pricing. Of course we were located in prime lincoln park yeah um, what was your address 2342 north lincoln, uh north clark street okay right across the street from that big apple okay or from big apple um it was so we're prime lincoln park um everything was expensive and then also it's just there wasn't a lot of walk-by traffic and it's hard if you're selling two dollar cookies it's hard yeah. to, <laughs> like how many cookies do you have to sell to make rent. Well, that's what we've been figuring out with my wife's business. And we're like, okay, so we sell a thousand wraps a month or a hundred wraps a month equals this. We need to sell a thousand a month to actually make a business out of this. She's like, how many outlets do we need? Yeah, and you're like, wait, a thousand wraps. Like you have to actually like visualize a thousand yes. wraps. And you're like, oh my God. And we'll be lucky if we sell 40 here in one place. And so we need, okay, wow. This, this adds up really quick. So and we need at least 20 venues, at least 20 locations people to go. And that's assuming you have that consistent business too. And then on top, like, and this is you selling out of a, yes. a backpack, right? Yes. So this isn't like no business insurance, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah, sorry, not to like, not to like get you guys yeah. in trouble. But yeah. like, it, you, like, you don't think about like the bi- business costs yes. that like everyone takes advantage. So is, we soon realized that we were pleading bleeding money because so, it's like so I'm I find that funny because you are so analytical uh-huh. I, it must have been passion to really push this through because I know oh, you were, we were looking at numbers yeah we were yes. very like oh we'll do this these numbers make sense yeah I was like you know if I just tweak like I, I and I re- remember because this, 
I built out this very fancy um, financial model because that was what I was very used to doing. And I, anytime we had a problem, we just built out this very financial. Let's work like, the pivot table fancy. here, and we'll get this. Yeah, I was like offset the. Yeah, and I was always. Uh, I was like, let's just change the assumptions here. And so in my model, I remember plugging in. I remember going to um, coffee shops and like bakeries and looking around and seeing how many people were there. So I'd be like, okay, let's say there were five people here and I've been here for about 10 minutes. I would just automatically assume that that, like I could, that this could was linear. Starbucks? Yeah, well, that, that this was linear. That like, you know, if I went at noon on uh, Wednesday, that was the equivalent at, as like, Oh, so uh, every hour Thursday. of the day, there's going to be this amount of people there. Yeah, like Got I didn't it. really think about the f- natural flow of like some hours are busier. And I didn't even take into account that um, the times when I visited are probably busy times. Prime times. Yeah, because like no one's going, like no one really goes like right before. Well, that's that's the scariest thing about having a business because you can really get, you can get bogged down by the details but at the same time you have the irrational part of your brain that's like yeah but I want to cook things for people and I want to provide this joy and I want this vision I have this vision I want to make it happen yes and the minute you start thinking about it it just snowballs so Mm -hmm. you're like I was like okay I want to open up a cookie shop oh my god it'll be so cute we'll call it by the park oh my god it'll be so cute like we will have we had a little children's area and I'm like because it's like a little playground in the park oh my god we're by the zoo it'll be like like we'll get all these people who come once once we really take off we'll get the store next the place next door we'll We'll take that that'll be by the zoo by the zoo and by the yeah and and then i'm like and then i can expand it to like la then we'll be by the beach (laughs) i was like thinking of all these like and then i was like oh and all of our cookies will be named after different parks like that'll be so cute so you start to romanticize everything and then when it comes into play. They're like, what the is a Linkin Park cookie? I don't know what that means. And I'm like, well, it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're like, I, I just want to know what's, what's we, the chocolate chip cookie? What's we we the dealt sprinkle? with this exact same thing. Yeah. So we, in the beginning, we were naming these raps. We're coming up with these funny names for raps and creative names. No. No one cares. No they one were like, cares. I want to know what's inside yes, the they, wrap. They don't want to grab it and have to look at the ingredients. They need to see from a mile away, that's the chicken wrap. Okay, what's, yeah, that works. Chicken Caesar yep. or like, um, spinach feta yeah they want to know so yeah we you you realized early on before i was like how do they not know what the lincoln park cookie is it says <laughs> it right below lincoln park but they you've lost their attention by the time yes. they finished the they reached cookie so um it was it, i mean and these are all things that you learn yeah. once you start a business and like now in hindsight i'm like well duh why would i like um why would anyone think that? We we eventually renamed, or we, we kept the names like Lincoln Park Cookie, and we're like the Cinnamon Bun Cookie. So we would think of these flavors that each cookie tried to emulate, and then kind of, we, we had a Funfetti Cookie, like uh, the birthday cookie. Okay. But yeah, these are things that you're like, oh, this is going to be so original, and I'm going to be the first one to do it. And you're like, now I know why no one's done this before. Like, there's a reason why no one, like name these cookies off of a bunch of random parks it's because no one knows what they're eating have you been to crumble or insomnia cookies i've been to insomnia Uh uh-huh um i have not been to crumble but 
when I heard of what insomnia was, I was like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. This, there's no way this can last. There's no way this can succeed. And they're still on wells like 10 years later or however I long mean, they've we, been there. Yeah, they have that location on Lincoln Park or on Lincoln Ave that's been thriving. And I remember thinking like, if insomnia can do it, like so can we because like our cookies are better than theirs. But they, they were just smarter. Like even though you, you have to compromise in some ways, but you have to make it up but you make it up in other ways. And yeah. you just have to appeal to the masses. I had a friend who was asked me for some business advice recently and she, cause she wants to open up a, uh, a coffee shop and she has all these like um, ideas on like what she wants to do for that. And I think they were all good. Um, and then I was talking to another friend about it. And then my other friend goes, Oh yeah, you know what she should do that would really draw people in is make her own nut milks. Like make her own nut milks and the nut milks are made in house. And I was like, no. Do you understand how much time that'll take? How much time, how much money yeah. to like buy almonds just to like crush them up to like make some milk. I'm like, do you ever, do you ever make that by the way? I have not because, we, we, uh, again, I'm like the time and the money. Like, so, I'm just going to buy it from, like... Sidebar. So, do this. I want you to do but this. But my family used to make soy milk, and it was excellent. It's so good. So it is so much better. You I agree. You drop the almonds in. You mm -hmm. go for the day. Mm -hmm. You come home and blend it. You're done. It's very straightforward if you can do it that way. And if you... I don't know what kind of blender you have, but you can take... Like oh, a, like a Vitamix or something? Well, you can do that, but you can also have like an oyster blender. An uh -huh. oyster blender's accessory will fit on top of any mason jar. Uh-huh. So if you just leave it in the mason jar for the day, uh -huh. then come home, pop the top on, done it, you're done. That's it. Strain See, it and you're done. See, I I think that's brilliant. But like, I'm like... Do you're not you doing that for a business. Yeah, I'm like, no. do you know how much you have to charge for like the upcharge yes. to have like your homemade macadamia milk? Macadamia I'm like, that's like, milk, oh my God, yeah. I'm like, that's like $8. That's yes. like more than the latte. Well, there's supposedly one almond in a thing, of, oh, less than one almond in a thing of almonds. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I never even thought of that it, that way because it's all liquid, right? Yeah. But anyways, um, there are a lot, everyone, one thing that you realize when you go into business, everyone has an opinion yeah. on what you should be doing and what you should not be doing and um, ways to, and. They're wa not warranted. They're not yeah. tested, and they're often not wanted. Often not wanted. So uh, the hard part, I, what I had trouble with was sifting through that. Because initially I was like, everyone shut up. Like, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. But, or like, just let me figure this out. And then shortly I realized, I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing let me listen to all of your suggestions and let's do all of them. And, and then, then I was like, confused. wait, that was also a bad idea because you don't know what you're, you guys don't know what you're talking about yeah. either. Cause they would say stuff like, Oh, we wish you had like a, a kid's thing during the day. And we'd be like, okay, here's a kid's thing during the day. And they were like, and no one no would one come. Shows up. And we're like, <laughs> but we made this kid thing for yeah. you. You said you would come and you didn't come. So it's, you, you have to, do what's right for your business and it, it is like, I, I used to think that I could start a business because I, I viewed myself as an intelligent um, hardworking young lady and I um, and I thought that and I was like oh I'm more intelligent and more hardworking than like wh whoever's running this place and they're 
they're doing well so that automatically means success and it's like no that's actually not true some people are just smarter and some like they were smarter about certain things well it's often the things you don't see and frankly there's always an element of luck too you just well, you don't there's know. a big element yes. of luck and also managing people yeah. I wasn't great I realized that I wasn't great at managing people because I was very hard I, I, I like to do the I like doing work and I just assume that people also like to do work apparently they don't when they don't need to I'm the same way I'm not good at managing people I, I'm good at what I do but telling people what to do and how to do it isn't my strong because by the time you're done telling people you're like oh I could have done well, it yeah I you know what? Never mind. Just let me. I'm a snowplow. I'm a yeah. snowplow employee, like or employer. Like I, I was like, never mind. I'll take care of it for you. You just sit there and look pretty. Yeah. Like you just sit there Watch. and like. Next while, time. You while can do I'm it this burning way. my money, like, paying you. Um, so I, I, I realized that I wasn't good at and delegated. I did all the baking. I did all the baking, which was so. In hindsight, again, that was so stupid. Like, how could that have been? How could how could we have maintained that? What if I got pregnant during the and that's why we? What ended if you up want closing. to go on vacation? What if, what if you want to do anything? Oh, what there was toward the end when I want if I wanted to go away for a weekend, we just closed. Yeah. Or um, I would have to bake a lot before, and then we would just close one of the days, so that it was just so hard. Um, toward the end, also we we figured out other ways to make money. For example, we rented out the space, which was wonderful because it was guaranteed it was probably more profitable than anything else you did it was actually more profitable than anything else we did I was like oh my god this is equivalent to me selling like like 200 cookies why if I don't have to pay 200 cookies to do this and there's also such a need for that in Chicago like people love spaces I mean especially now it's been emphasized more than ever now people were like I had parties booked back to back there were people who were frustrated because we were never open for business because I was always like closed for an event yeah. and people couldn't understand why I would be closed for an event I'm like well they're paying hundreds of dollars to rent out my space and I don't have all I have to do is stand there and like and you probably don't even need to do that I mean I I would hire someone to stand yeah. there <laughs> or um, I would stand there and it was just and then yes I had to bake some stuff but like it was always predictable I'm like you guys paid for this much and that's what you get versus like when we're open our doors are open I'm like hustling to sell someone a $2 cookie or like to get maybe they'll like upgrade to a $3 coffee like it's you know it is just so and I'm sorry I'm being very candid about um well, a lot of, a lot of people is. have a lot of romantic ideas about what ownership is of a business. And these are the things that people need to hear. And, and people hear them in lots of different places. But I bet when you were starting the cookie business, you're like, the margin on cookies is fantastic. Look yeah, at this. you're like, this is like 10 I, cents and like yes, I can sell, sell this for, for like two. $2. But then the volume comes into play. And you're like, oh. And you're like, how many $2 cookies do I need to sell to yeah. make my rent? <laughs> like my $5,000 rent. where do I find the line to do that? Like, so how many places can sell them? And you're just on one place. Mm-hmm. Were you ever trying to sell them elsewhere? Um, so we, another thing that we opened up to toward the end, and I wish we would have done this earlier, was catering. Like yeah. catering to um, uh, offices. And I don't know how, well actually, like my husband's bad. 
every day of the week in the office now. So and they're they're cater they they bring in caterers. They should bring in your wife. I'll uh, recommend please. that. Please. Um, but they just everything's expensed. Yeah. So they just um, they're they're like we'll take four hundred cookies, and I was like, you will take four hundred <laughs> cookies? Just all. Yeah. All at once? They have a budget. They have a budget, and as long as they're below the budget, and sometimes it doesn't even matter. It's just like, we want something nice for these people. They're coming in. We need something special. And I'm the same way. When I have the right clients, I'm like, I don't care what lunch costs. Like, okay, dinner, none of this matters. You're a client, and I'm not talking to them, but like, my wife will come with on a lot of these dinners. And she's like, where are we going? I'm like, I don't care what the bill is. It's, it's, you don't want to say that necessarily, but it is the truth. You're like, this is more important. Oh yeah, this person's going to buy a yeah, million dollar the, house. The, the commission like, from the sale <laughs> yeah, like, is way more important. I don't care what they like order. Get, dinner, get the like, nice bottle of wine. Do whatever you want. Let's yeah. have fun and enjoy it. Let's, don't think about the prices. Let's get the, the market prices. price. Yeah. market price item. <laughs> like, the, the seafood Let tower. Let those truffles just keep, yeah. just keep going. Shower the truffles. Yeah, like, but it's it's like that with companies that, or even I remember at JP Morgan, everything was billed to the client. Yeah. Um, so we would, we always had, I think we got to spend back then it was like $25 on, on dinner every night mm-hmm. and I would go to pop bellies and get like two sandwiches and a bunch of cookies. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is going to be my meal for the next day and a half or, you know, you bet. So oh, you were young once too. I can tell. Cause that, that's the thought process right there. You're like, this is going to be lunch and dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to, if, if I wasn't staying for dinner, which wasn't often, but like sometimes I wouldn't stay for dinner, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to get some snacks. Yeah. So that, like, in a bunch of Diet Cokes. And I don't care that it's $2 Diet Cokes because I, I get $25, so I can have 12 My, my um, first office was at Belden, uh, like real office was at Belden and Clark. Oh, that's right by where we live. I know, right? And so, right by your shop, too. And so, I would go, my favorite place was Sultan's, right up here. Yeah. I'd be like, I can get, and this is like, I'm broke, I'm just starting, I'm yeah. like trying to figure things out. And I'm like, okay, I can get that dinner at Sultan's. I'm like, that is lunch and dinner. This is great. This oh, is yeah, and meal. it's like, what, what, like five ninety nine or something like, like that. that. So it was something yes. ridiculous. And it's, yeah, I remember, I remember New York, every corner, there was like a $1 falafel pita. Yep. And that's like where I would go when I just spent too much money at the bar. And I was like, okay, I don't have any money left. I need that $1 pita. So, so. your husband, it, as a spouse to someone who's doing something similar, but not nowhere near as capital intensive or time intensive. How was your husband with this? Because I imagine this was, this could put a strain on your relationship. So we were in a unique time. So this was another reason why we picked this that particular time in our lives to start a business. He was on his non-compete. So he was um, getting paid to not work. Okay. Um, so uh, he he was around. He was he was also looking into his own um, into his own thing. He okay. Was, Doing his own shop. He, uh, his own business he's uh more it's more tech so okay he, he, what's his space what does he do he's in high frequency trading okay but it's very technical it's very um computer programming so he um during that time he he started he wrote an app and it was um classic books it's called jupiter it's no longer functioning um but it was basically uh uh classical classic books that um you can have completely downloaded on your um, on your phone and you can read for free there. Okay. Again, the market for that wasn't very So great. like Amazon? Like 
Um, it was almost like yeah, like Kindle. Kindle yeah. Um, but he wanted a social aspect to it, so okay. you can highlight passages. Like he, he loves highlighting passages. I read quite a bit. I never highlight. I any. highlight everything. Really, that's how my husband is. Like, <laughs> and I never cannot... go back to it. Yeah, but it, like, but it helps me retain it. I always see like his books, and they're, they're like these really nice books, and it's just covered in highlighter. And I'm like, do you even know what you highlighted? Like, do you? And there's always a highlighter in there. Yeah. Um, and I, I would buy just, when I so I, now I'm everything's digital because it's just easier. I have it in my phone. Oh, and then the Kindle is so nice. Absolutely. You can just like save it. But I used to have this particular pen. This pen was expensive, but it was a highlighter and a pen on each side, mm-hmm. and it had the little um, tabs you could pull them out. Yes, like the I remember those pens. Yeah, it was like six bucks or something, and like for a college student, that was or someone I got to college it was a lot. And but, they only had like. 15 tabs. Yes, and you, so get, you, the, you be, get the they refill. They were very precious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and I would always have that pen though. That pen was with me no matter what I was reading, I always had it. Mhm. Yeah, I remember that's that's how my husband is. He like just highlights everything. I just I read fiction, so I I don't highlight anything. I just read the book. When I'm done, I'm like that was a good book or that wasn't a great book. I, um, I joined a book club and I've read more fiction in the last 12 months than I've ever read in my entire life probably. Really? Yeah. I think that's what a book because you're you have to read it. You yeah. have to read it. Exactly. <laughs> and I've disagreed on some things and then the guy who like brought me in who's a friend of mine he's like that's the point. I was, I was complaining. Yeah. I was like I don't want to read this. He's like that's the point. I was like yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. And it's also like you you start to learn different st- I started read reading fiction to become a better just a better writer mm-hmm. um, I think it I think I uh, I think you're right I know what you're saying I know what you mean and and to acknowledge what's good writing mm-hmm. what's bad writing um, and I think it it does help yeah to because otherwise that when I didn't read I'm like the stuff that I would write like even just an email to someone I'm like man this took me so long to write this email to someone what? or even just speaking to them I'm like I sound so you know there's, there's a really good Mark Twain quote and I use it whenever my emails get a little long mm-hmm. and say sorry I didn't have enough time um, sorry for how long this is I didn't have enough time to make it shorter because yeah. that's the reality like it takes time to make something concise and better written yeah. anyone can write something long and a bunch of just kind of throwing up oh, on the page it's just, that's yeah, it's because it's very organic yes. <laughs> whenever people are long winded I call it I'm like that's very organic uh, they're, they're very organic uh, writers uh, they just whatever they're thinking they put it on a page but it does take time and I think um, skill to write something concise yet um, descriptive and to be an efficient writer yeah most things would be cut in half yeah so your husband's on the non-compete um, so my husband's on the non-compete and um, and he actually rented out an office on on Clark and Belton. It's very cute. So he he would come in for his like you know free cup of coffee and go back to work and just pick up his free cookie um, during during this time. Um, so it was, but it was it was hard because I, I had to work weekends all the time. Monday was my one day off, mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't on the non-compete the entire time. He eventually went back to work, so that was also hard. When he went back to work, we weren't really seeing each other. Yeah. Um, so that became an issue. I mean, and then also I got, I became pregnant and just realized I didn't want to be running this business anymore. We weren't. It didn't look like we were going to make 
a turn for the better. We were stuck in this terrible lease with... How long were you running the business until you realized that? The, the lease uh, that we didn't want to do this, we wanted to leave, I, I think after a year of opening, a year into it, I was like, oh dear, let's try to get out of this. And our lease was awful. It was just, the landlord was terrible. He, he actually owns a number of businesses. He owns all of that. He's notorious as a terrible, terrible yes, person. Yes, yes. And everyone warned, uh, my, Guy my, lives in my LA? agent, yes. Yes, he's yes. notorious. My agent warned me about him, but she didn't want to offend him too much because he's got a lot of property. Um, So she was like... He owns all of Clark Street, pretty much. He owns all of Clark Street, and that's why all of Clark Street is Is in shambles. Businesses that just come and go. No one ever stays. And And he doesn't care. He's got a lot... He he has a lot of income... Yeah, he has other income coming from other places, so so for him it's just a tax write-off. He He doesn't care if it's occupied or not. Exactly, exactly. So that... When it's occupied, he, he gets the income from it, and he charges astronomical rent. Yeah. Again, we didn't have a capital issue, so we were like, I was like, whatever, this is the perfect space, like, let's get it. Um, but he, and then when it's not occupied, he's like, great, this is this offsets my other income, and he owns property in Florida, yeah. uh, other income elsewhere, so this is great. Either way, 50, win-win. We signed a five-year lease, and we had to pay every cent of that lease. Wow. So we were only occupied that space for two years. So we ended up having to pay out the remainder of that rent. And he would, he did, he was like, if you, and the lease, it was silly of me to us to sign the lease. And this was a big lesson learned. Another reason why we are very particular with our, in um, our home search, because we're like, no, never again. Yeah. Like we, um, we're like we are going to inspect every inch of this house um we are going to have multiple inspections it's not going to be pleasant um but the the lease was terribly written so not so against us like it was like if you try to it, it was like if you close for more than five days at a time we can sue you if you uh, cause we were thinking about just shutting down the shop and keeping it empty yeah um and then, and then just paying rent. And they were like, no, you have to continue paying rent and run the shop. And if you try to sublet, you can sublet, but we have to approve every um, applicant. And every time we need to approve them, it, it costs $2,000 so they can keep rejecting. You know, they can keep rejecting. Yeah. It was maybe even $10,000. I can't even remember. But Something it was, so absurd where you don't even go down the avenue of entertaining it. Well... They, they also have no incentive to mm-hmm. approve it because they're like, well, I, I, I have could you. just... Yeah, and they're like, oh, but you can keep bringing us people and we could just keep rejecting yeah. them for $10,000. We'll yeah, yeah. You're in a default? To, That's fine. We'll sue you and ruin your life. Yeah, so um, we just didn't have... Did you have to sign personally? Uh, yeah, we were... My my husband had to personally guarantee Yeah. It. And they... I mean, he was awful. He... He asked for our bank state, like, wanted to see what we had, and... I have heard over a dozen stories about this landlord. Oh, yeah. From completely unconnected people. He, he, he's been in trouble with the aldermen, and all... He doesn't care. And he, 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 he has the, posi- he has the position matter. of power. It's like, I own this. I can do whatever I want with it. That's nice I own neighbor- half of Lincoln Park. Yeah. And that's nice neighborhood association. You like, you don't like the shuttered, you don't like the places uh, shuttered. That's great. I don't care. I mean, he, he keeps his 
property is really nice. Like mm -hmm. they're very they're well maintained. Yeah, yes. they're very well maintained. So that's how he seduces all these like tenants. And when we said that we were, um, first of all, we bought out the rest of our lease. So we basically paid up front the remainder of our lease. Immediately after we told him that we were leaving, he started shuffling people in to see the place. So we're like in the middle of a, an event or like we're in the middle of opening and he's like bringing it. You know, can you imagine if you're like your clients like selling their place and people are just coming in and showing the house? I love like, that. No, it sounds great. It's to me. just like, I was like, are you, you, they don't even give, they didn't even give us a warning. They yeah. would just bring them in. Um, and it's just you know, you know what that would be like? It'd actually be like, let's say you were selling your place mm -hmm. and you went to hire a broker. And the broker's like, you know what? I love this place. Just sell it to me. Yeah. But then in his contract, he puts so he can assign it to anyone else. Yeah. And then you're selling it for a million, let's say. And then he's trying to flip it for like 1.2. And you're like, whoa. And he's bringing in hordes of people. That's well, what that would be like. Well, it's exactly <clears throat> like that because he, we built out this, it was a, it was a retail space. So we had to put in the black iron. We had to, uh, or fix the black iron. There was really old black iron and we had to fix it. I built out a kitchen, bought appliances. What would you spend on that? On the whole build out? I think the whole build out might've been close to a hundred. Um, How much on just the kitchen? Just the kitchen the majority of that because yeah. everything in the walls was retail um so it was the majority of that maybe it was 40 40 or 50 but that's not including appliances so yeah close to anyways he ended up leasing our space we i think we paid it was like four thousand something around four thousand for our space to rent it and then because we built out this nice kitchen and we're leaving the appliances yep. because what's the point of taking the appliances at this yeah. point it's harder for me to figure out where to park them. Um, I always give that argument when people are moving and they'll be moving across the country. And I'm like, my clients like your furniture. They didn't like the price, but like, let's try to work it out. They're like, no, we'll take it with us. I'm like, you gotta pay thousands of dollars to haul oh, that. Just, we, just leave it. Come that's on. been our negotiation. We're always like, hey, we'll take it at this price As if it's a, furnish, yeah. furnished. Like, cause this furniture goes with the place yeah. and you're going to make this furniture work there but anyways he ended up leasing the space at six thousand dollars a month because of our nice build out that we and then we on top of what we paid to yeah get out of the lease so it was just this what ended up I taking mean, the space another bakery they are now gone yeah and now another bakery is coming in and i'm like don't you guys get it this is not the right space for a bakery <laughs> well it was more of a cafe but still another cafe is coming in and I'm like, okay, you <laughs> don't learn. Yeah. Um, and they were only there two years too. And it, it, they had a, you know, the pandemic, but still I don't, it's not. Well, what, what most entrepreneurs do in this space is they have a dream mm -hmm. and they, sh they need to just kill the dream right off the bat, but they go in and they burn through their life savings. And I've seen it time and time again because I've I frequent many of these places and I, I can tell. I can tell. And they're burnt out too. Yes, they just yes. want to give up, but they're like, I have so much capital invested and yes. this is all the money we have. And, and they're like, like oh, we're good at doing this one thing. Yeah. Maybe it's making dumplings, right? Like, we're going to make dumplings. I'm like, okay, that's great, but do the numbers. Does it really make sense? And they also, don't think do you like want to make dumplings for the rest of your life? Yes. Like, do you, serious? I mean, it's, 
it's hard. You get tunnel vision. You get really excited about tunnel the concept. Tunnel vision is a great idea. Yeah. And, exactly and then also once you're in it, we, I buried my head in the sand. I didn't want to see how much money we're losing. Anyways, the, well, all it, this whole thing. No one me. wants to fail at anything, and it, it fails. Right? And There's also no in the other beginning, way to you're say so it. prideful too. Yes. You're just. Uh, you, how could I possibly fail? I'm, yeah. I'm intelligent. I'm hardworking. These are all the things that you need to, for to be successful. Maybe to be successful, but not necessarily successful in business. Yes. Um, or have, owning a business. Uh-huh. Um, and, and all it would have taken is for you to go on Oprah. It would have all been good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, One endorsement. Yes, exactly. I was like, how do I get Chrissy Teigen to come to my into my shop, or like, can one of the Kardashians <laughs> like I'll make I'll make a special Kardashian cookie of like one. We'll of send them the will plane, like, okay? Come on, yeah. Please. One of them will like just buy a cookie and and just like make a two second post about it. Um, yeah, we. So all of this to say that's that's why we. I started. It was just so. It was such a hard experience, like having. A business and while I do feel like it opened a lot like now as as a mom and um, just like my life now I feel like it really did open a lot of doors for me and like I but I I don't want to do it again but I do love the creative outlet that baking that I get from baking and decorating cakes so that's why I continue to do it but just I love being able to help others, so help um, the needy, because there is so much need in Chicago right now. And then on the other hand, you also spread the word about different organizations. A lot of the organizations that I um, ask people to donate to, most of them haven't heard of them. You know, everyone hears of the big ones, right? So let's talk about that. So the bakery doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. You leave it behind. But... Now, now, how did I get back into it? Yes. How did how did you make the transition? <clears throat> and whoever's watching this isn't going to know what you're doing. So you're making birthday cakes mm-hmm. or any kind of yeah, cake, yeah. I suppose. And desserts, yeah. And you're donating all the proceeds to the charity of your choice. Yes. So people make um, a direct donation. So I have a special link with um, currently my uh, charity of choice is Revive Center. Okay. And um, we have a goal of five hundred dollars a month, which is kind of a modest goal, but. Um, and especially because most of my um, customers are incredibly generous. Um, what, what does one of the cakes that you're making? Where does it start and where does it end on pricing? Or what's your typical order? I I actually say I usually say this is up to your discretion. Okay. So you you donate what you feel like you can. Um, you know what? Is that you one of your own customers? That's <laughs> one of my friends. <laughs> um, what you donate? What you think is a appropriate um and then sometimes they ask for some sort of guidance so sometimes they say okay well in the shop i would have normally charged x um, i do hate that response when someone's but, like just donate whatever you think is right i'm like i need you to tell me what's right yeah it's it's because you're like i don't want to be offensive yes right? I, I don't want to be not, too low but i can't you know clear out the bank yeah, for you, it right like i'm not paying a thousand dollars for this cake. <laughs> like i mean it's a six inch cake i know so <laughs> it, it is really it the range is big mm-hmm. but I do I do like to do that because I the people who are generous can usually spare it mm-hmm. or usually they're generous because usually their response to whatever you whatever they're doing is oh no problem yeah so like they're not, then, it doesn't phase them and then sometimes <clears throat> people want want to know just because they don't want to they're, they're like I don't want to pay 
pay fifty dollars and then have it, which I think is a reasonable price, and have you be like, well, actually, it was supposed to be eighty. Yeah. Or, um, so I also don't tell them that I can, I can see like what they that I can see what they pay because um, I do get a receipt that shows what they pay. So I don't, but I don't like to tell them that because I'm like, whatever you donate is generous. Like when you donate, that is a very generous. Um, I, I I think that's whatever you decided is what you think you can spare and that's that's great but anyways I got back into this because I I closed the big shop and that was that was that and then people started emailing me texting me calling, messaging me that they wanted me to make their cake or that they had this great experience at the big shop and they wanted me to make their cake for their kids and I just and when you have the shop yes it was it was difficult but it was just it was really re rewarding and you build a lot of relationships and it's just um you still feel that camaraderie with um those people who came and i felt like i so that's how i got back into it was that past customers reaching out to see if um i'll make their cakes and then from there it was just word of mouth um all of a sudden i was doing all of their friends cakes and then um, initially it started out I would just charge them um, material cost so I never I didn't charge for my time um, and I didn't charge like a premium on what I would like I would didn't factor in like what I would have normally charged in the shop um, I just did it purely mark just purely material cost this is what the cake topper cost this is about what the ingredients like flour and eggs and milk cost and this is what like the cake box cost and then this is the price of your cake and then when the pandemic hit I stopped making cakes for a little bit but when I started again it just I started when I started again it was because I started seeing that there were really these pockets of need in Chicago um, the pandemic just made it so much harder for these people to get um, your hands on resource because remember in the beginning of the pandemic you could like what can sound going to costco or something yeah. like it, was, when it, it can sound callous but you know a lot of people that don't have housing or are in need are on the street well if the people aren't walking the street and if they're not frequenting their favorite place how are those people going to get any money oh there was a place um there was a there's a guy who stands outside of starbucks um and he asked people to buy him coffee or buy him food. So every day my, my husband used to go to that Starbucks, this was before the pandemic, he used to go to that Starbucks every day and buy this guy like, <laughs> like a Frappuccino and like a, a breakfast sandwich. So that's like $12 every day. Yeah. And when the pandemic hit, I remember we started making our, obviously we started making our coffee from home and even those places they were closed yeah. or initially and I remember my husband going oh I hope Reggie's okay I hope he's getting because like he was like I mean that was probably a big part of his wait does Reggie have a like a like a radio voice sort of oh are we we might be talking about the same Reggie I haven't seen the... Reggie in a long time okay does he have a very strong voice um I think so I haven't I haven't seen Reggie in a long time my husband used to see him every day yeah, he used to hang out at that at your corner, right? Like yeah, Clark the and Belden? Clark, Clark and uh, Dickens. Oh, and Dickens? Okay, wrong. The, the, it was the Starbucks. Like, he would stand right in front of the Starbucks. Okay. Um, and he would be like, man, I hope that Reggie is okay. Like, during the... Because 
no one's going out, no one's buying other people. And then also everyone's terrified. Yeah. So everyone's terrified of other people, just like anyone, anyone in general. So it was, so that, I remember he said that and I was kind of like, oh man, even like the women's board I'm on, we were like, we, we work with a lot of, uh, we work on a lot of outreach and a lot of the places that we work with, they have kids and uh, families that they house and we're like, they can't even get diapers because you know, everyone's stocking up on everything. So they can't even get, like, if we can't even get diapers, how are they supposed to yeah. access these things? So that was just something that I wanted to bring more attention to. So I felt like by asking these people to donate to these kind of, these smaller organizations, um, really starts to spread the word a little bit more about like, hey, there are lots of organizations that need, have need in Chicago. Um, and they're small and I also what I also love about these organizations is that $100 you know where it's not just like a drop in the bucket like if you donate to some national organization you have no idea where that goes yeah. it's probably processing costs it, it goes to someone's salary yeah lots so, and lots of people's salaries the salaries or like a pro processing cost yeah. it's not going to like the Nonprofits are some of the best and worst things that exist in this country. Yeah, so that's why I love these small organizations because they're um, the ones that I happen to pick. I, I found through my women's board, so they tend to be affiliated with um, some sort of some. They're usually some sort of faith-based. So it's just you see where the money goes. Like we, they have drives where you can use that hundred dollars and buy like tampons or something for for the women who are housed there or you can buy diapers for the kids or um, you can buy uh, and I just love that it was just such a you could see where the money went and yeah. how it helped people so I really like organizations like that for just that reason you're like okay I've actually funny enough I've given tampons to one of these organizations yeah. before they're like just pick up pick up a box of tampons I was like that's it like yeah, I'm like okay. But that's that like more helpful than you, you donating they need. like a hundred, like fifty dollars yes. to yes. some. It goes right in the hands of someone. Exactly. So I, so our my cake, uh, the my like direct cake link that goes towards um, it's five hundred. Our goal is five hundred dollars a month. Um, we started this like a month or two ago. We've already exceeded. Um, again, due to. Um, very generous customers um we always exceed that um but it goes towards feeding it's they're actually using that five hundred dollars they're purchasing meals for people who walk in and don't have any money and they need food so it's i love that food is feeding other goes towards feeding other people. you know yes. i i just i feel like that's very poetic it's mm -hmm. in a lot of ways so it's $500 towards a food fund for um, the homeless or the um, extremely needy. And this particular organization, Revive, they do amazing things. They, they help uh, low-income families with their rent. They help um, those who, need, um, who can't afford it with occupational therapy, things like that. Um, food, just every basic needs. We, we've donated, like paper towels or um just like really again uh shampoo like things that you don't think that you just don't really initially think you take for granted yeah toothpaste toothbrushes um so 
And so whenever anyone orders a cake, you're saying donate to this. Yeah, I send them a link. And I'll make you the cake. And how do they decide what the cake is? How how does the cake choice work? Oh, usually they decide that. Usually they're like, hey, I want a cake for this date um, for my son's birthday party. It's Spider-Man themed. Um, And again, one thing I do love is that because it is up to it's donation based so it is up to my discretion whether i i take the order so i can decide how far in advance i need so it gives me a little more flexibility in that like if i'm running a bake shop i just take whatever i you know all the all the clients i can get but here i can decide well you know i'm actually out of town that week so so i i can't make it work or um i have like six other cakes that weekend i can't make it well it's a noble idea for you so it's you know you, you have your own discretion, whatever you can do, and that's and, reasonable and understandable. And and I can also be like, okay, well, here, you know, if you have some inspiration that you'd like, you can send it my way, but ultimately I'm deciding what's going on the cake. Mm-hmm. So, because before I used to get like, can you make this like crazy thing and like this out of fondant and I want it what to is be it? shaped like this. And Made out of what? Fondant. What's like that? that uh, your wife will know, but it's basically a marshmallow paste that it's like Play-Doh. Okay. It's basically like edible Play-Doh. Like the uh, fluff? No, it's it's like Play-Doh texture. Okay. Like, or like clay. Okay. More like clay because it dries and it's solid. Um, your wife will know what um, fondant is. And if you go to any bakery, whenever you see some like, if you see like a cake in the shape of like Baby Yoda, that's made out of fondant. Okay. Like the outside is made out of fondant and the inside is cake. But it's, so they would ask for these crazy things. And I'm like, well, you know, a cake like that costs $300. But then you're asking me for material cost. Like, it, yeah, it just no. like. The ec- well, that's someone doing it for the wrong reasons. Kind yes, of taking exactly. advantage of, of your nicety. Yeah, exactly. So I want, I do love that I, I have a little more flexibility in that now. Because I can, um, I can pick. Uh, be selective with my customers and that people who will be grateful for the cake and then also will be um, generous enough to donate because technically people can and I hope I don't regret saying this but like people can order a cake from me and just not donate to the charity and get a free cake so it is an honor system because I don't it I don't like withhold the cake until they pay oh yeah Yeah. because you're I, I, I give it yeah. to them and I send them the link and I'm like, it's up, it's up to you to donate. And I don't think I've ever had anyone not do that, yeah. do that. But like it is, it, it's possible. It, it is. So it is trust based. So yeah. that's why I am very word of mouth and I don't like to take on customers that I don't have some sort of connection to. So it doesn't have to be someone I know personally, but it has, I'd like it. So-and-so knows so-and-so. And yeah, I, I want someone this. else to be accountable for them. To, yeah. Like, I want to know that there's some sort of connection between me and that person. Well, that's the community-based idea. I mean, that's part of this, these videos in a way. It's like, you know, I did this because I liked what you were doing. And we met at the Meta Baby thing. And yeah. your baby was so cute. And then I saw your cakes. I was like, you make cakes? I was, like, I was confused. I didn't know what it was. And I looked into it a little bit. I was like, do you want to do this? Yeah, it, it's it's like, it is really confusing for people to understand. They're like, wait, so you make cakes, but you don't have a bakery. And then, but you used to. That, yeah, but that's you what used, threw me off. Yeah, they're like, but you used to have a bakery, but you don't have a bakery. Do you want a bakery? Yeah. Do you want more business? What's the <laughs> like? Talk- and then you have kids too. Like they're just like, I don't know what's going on. We, we talked. We talked for like 15 minutes because I was trying to 
wrap my head around it and to understand it. And they're it fully. like, wait, so you you charge for your cakes, but you don't take the money. So how, where does the money? And, and where do I pick it up? Yeah, they're like, where do I pick it up? And that's another whole other thing. I'm like, if you are close by, sometimes I'll drop it off because I'm like, it. Sometimes it's just easier for me to do that. But yeah. if they're like in Andersonville, I'm like. You can, here's my address. You can come pick it up during yeah, these hours. There's lots of great bakeries in Anderson. Yeah, and then that's the other like some, and I can tell it pretty quickly like when people when it's not a good fit between us because if they're like, oh, I want this exact thing, and I'm like, I won't do this exact thing, but remember, I'm not really charging. Yeah. Like, well, I imagine if someone's charging. persnickety, you're just like, yeah, I'm they, good. well, they they just say sometimes they'll just say no. I'm like, I don't, I won't make that exact cake, but remember I don't get any of the proceeds yeah. and they're like okay do you know of a bakery that does make yeah. that cake and I'm like okay that's respectable that you're going to like you know bow Dinkles, out and you're like check yeah. It out. <laughs> yeah exactly I'm like there are Yelp Yelp is a great source yeah. for um, heard of Mandy Bees it's fantastic yeah they'll, it they'll probably take care of you there um, so it's uh, and so now I feel like I get a little bit the best of both worlds I get I feel like I actually am helping the world in some sense, not just by like feeding them, but also in um, educating people about these like smaller organizations that have a great need. And then also more concrete, more directly, like they're giving money to these organizations that have needs. So I feel like something that I've, it's almost, it's like a fundraiser that yeah. I'm, um, so that makes me, I love that I get to do that. And I also love that I have the flexibility and um, I can choose what projects I take on and what projects I say maybe uh, maybe next time too. Um, so. I imagine it gives you a great level of autonomy, but also just a, a great feeling inside. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like it so, so far. I mean, and also I do, again, I don't have a big, a concrete shop so I don't have to be there every day if I wanted to like take maternity leave I could just not say yes yeah. to the next um, for the next three months and then there what's nice is that it's not necessarily like I have to be tuned in for a season there are birthdays all throughout the year that's the randomness of birthdays so um, if I say no to one thing usually another thing comes up because someone else's birthday comes up or someone else's anniversary or whatever comes up so um i do love having that flexibility um and not having to pay for my brick and, brick and mortar so i'm i'm sure your wife is it's so nice that she has that space it's the best experiment that could have ever come along to allow her to, to put her toes in the water of this and see what she can do with but it. But without committing exactly. to a five-year without, without jumping in. Toes to, in. To that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and then she's lucky that she has a husband that is there with his thermal backpack. <laughs> Marketing. That's and, been the most profitable part of doing it all. It's funny enough. Like, Lululemon is giving her the springboard and the legitimacy and the mm -hmm. authority to do it. But we'll be. I'll be out there tomorrow at the Millennium Park Fest slanging wraps. <laughs> That's that's amazing. What is she making for? So, so tomorrow she's doing. Uh, she created this. Have you ever had the uh, the? It's like an Indian chicken type dish at Whole Foods. 
Uh-huh. It's their best-selling item. Is it the butter? No, no. It's, it's not. It has an Indian flavor, but it's more like an egg salad. An okay. Egg, or like an okay, up, I see what you mean. It's got the Indian spices, yes. but it's like an egg salad. I don't know if it's even a salad, if that's right, but I don't know. It's delicious. It's absolutely fantastic. It's my favorite thing she makes. Mm -hmm. So we were doing bulgogi wraps to start, mm -hmm. and those were selling out great. But this is a little lighter, and I think it'll appeal to more people. Oh, yeah, because sometimes people want... People they like chicken. chicken. They like chicken. Everyone people likes chicken. People like chicken. Yeah. I, I like chicken. I wouldn't necessarily... Yes. I love bulgogi, but I I would gravitate towards chicken. Yes, um, me too a lot of the time. And I think as health... Chicago is health conscious. Yes. In general. Um, and, so, and so we're doing those. And what was great about this is we both tried this. I was like, this is really good. And so she went to Whole Foods, was talking to the woman behind the counter, and she gave her the recipe. She gave her the recipe? She gave her the whole recipe. And so people she... People are so generous with I, us sometimes. Yeah. I like... <laughs> People will ask me for recipes for things now, and I'm like, like even though my shop's not open, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> do you know? Do you understand what into this? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I mean, I only did like months of research and development to come up with this recipe, yes. but and you just want me to write it on an, the back of a napkin yep. so that you can like make it for your, okay. <laughs> we're, we're gonna go to dinner tonight. It's all R and D. I mean, I, I, that we used to do that. I used to do that with my husband all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go to this bakery, R&D. We went to um, Italy. Uh -huh. Ate all over R&D. <laughs> yeah. And especially, she, your your wife casts a wider net than mine did. We we were just we were just bakeries, and we, then mostly. We hope so, yeah. I, I just like to that, see the inside too. That, that's one of her joys of doing this is every week at Lululemon, it's a different menu. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking to Foxtrot, Doms, and the Ambassador Hotel right now. Doms is like, we want the same thing. No and, variety. And Doms is like new too, yes. right? So it's, uh, they're probably going to be the easiest to work with because they're like, this is like. They're the most, they have a process and a system. They know what they're doing. They have multiple people overseeing this. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if it's going to be the easiest, but I, and it's also not the biggest contract necessarily. Like I hope we get them as a vendor, of course. But I don't know if that's, it probably will be the largest outlet, but I think Foxtrot would be the best. Foxtrot has multiple locations, they're not just in one spot. Oh, there's a ton of locations, and they're, um, they just got their like 40, is good. Yes. Like they're, uh, they just got 43 or 46 million in funding, and now they're expanding to Austin, Texas too. I mean, the pandemic was great for them, mm -hmm. because they really, <laughs> it just kind of, it took out all of their competitors yes. and like real people needed exactly what they were. They had um, the funding to stay there. Yeah. So. And, you, and you can go to a Foxtrot, you can get anything you want. Now I think Foxtrot's expensive. It's it's not a place I shop a lot. But if I'm stuck in a vine, I always stop by a- It's a go-to. You can get whatever you want there and you know it's going to be good. You know they're going to have it. I, I love going to Fox, like if I'm, if I have to, like a dinner party or something, mm -hmm. I can just stop by Foxtrot and like pick, pick up, up a, I can pick up a bottle of wine. I can get like a candle as a housewarming yep. gift. Get and the charcuterie, can, get whatever Yeah, you I need. can even get like some like nice little like uh, appetizer. 100%. I've actually gotten a lot of Foxtrot gifts. Like when people yeah. like say things like, cause they can't pay, they don't pay me. So mm -hmm. they like get me a nice like Foxtrot like kit. It's like so, they're just like very thoughtful. I always send Foxtrot as a gift. Like they, they have these like packages that you can just send, and it's just oh yeah, yeah. Like a, it comes with like wine, like a face mask, and like like little things like that. And it's just like oh, a cute cool. little, 
instead of flowers, you can actually consume. Uh, I love flowers, but like you can actually. Flowers great it. for a week. Yeah, I, and then I like them in listings. I like I like them for the photos, and I like them on our house too. When so, it, but I always end up with all those vases. I those. It's got tossing. I just is like. Uh, anyways, I I that would be a great contract. And they, I love that they just you know you do know that everything you buy from Foxtrot is going to be good. Yeah, like, it's gonna be quality. The food, yeah, the food is always fantastic. Um, so that that's exciting. That's yeah. amazing. We're really excited for it. Um, in Ambassador Hotel, how would they do? They have like a grab and go they area. They have a grab and go. And, and is she only focusing, mostly focusing right now on grab and go? Hundred percent grab and go. That's okay. it. If, it. if it doesn't fit that model, it doesn't work. Okay, just because it's like easy to package and um, because ahead. the shelf life is roughly a week uh-huh. on all the items, you can package it all somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You can have a routine with that, so she can show up on a Sunday or Monday, knock it all out, and then and put it's it like on the shelf. It's an assembly line, right? It's like an you assembly can do line process. Like that. And when it's bad, it's bad, and so you can just toss it. Uh, it has to fit within this system and this model. And you don't have to serve it immediately. That was like the issue. That's a huge like, part of it. You don't, it doesn't have to be hot or. Well, and I've tested this. So I've stopped at Lululemon, bought something every day. Mm-hmm. And it's, the stuff made on Friday is just as good on, uh, stuff made on Monday is just as good on a Friday. I know people are always so weird. Like they're like, well, when, with rules. the bakery. They're, she had to do this whole certification in order to do this. Yeah. And it's like. That's fine. It fits within the law. So it's it's legitimate. And I was very skeptical because I thought that way too. And still well, we started doing like this. A, um, a public, like everyone wants everything to be fresh. Yes. But they don't understand that fresh doesn't have to be made 20 minutes before. People would always add, like, people, like I make cakes well in advance because yeah. I don't like to be up I've, against the, like, last minute. Yeah. Like, what if something happens? Like, what if the cake collapses? Then, like, I'm... Anyways, uh... But people are like, did you just decorate this cake 20, like, an hour ago? And I'm like, no, I did this, like, two days ago. But they don't like the idea that things aren't made to order. Or it's not necessarily, it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's bad at all. I mean, if it's kept in a refrigerator, it's fine. Everyone's eaten takeout. Everyone's had their leftovers. And some people have done that three days after that food was cooked, and it was just as good. I know, it's just. We're all guilty. It's only because people think, they're like, oh, it's been out, like, at room temperature for three days in the world yes that that's not good if it's been out for like six hours instead of i went like, to college i had pizza that sat out for a few days and absolutely ate it was oh, fine oh you kind of like turn turn a blind eye to it yeah. it filled your gut yeah. but you know it's i i understand where people are coming from but like the reality of it and when you do the certification they tell you they're like it's actually fine for yeah. like quite some time if yeah, it's whatever the kept, days are yeah if it's if it's stored correctly and you can expand it too like you can spray vitamin e on things and there's different ways to really to, to move these things if you need to yeah i i think that people are just very closed-minded on that just like they think that you need to buy everything from the farmer's market in order for it to be like a quality produce yeah. like or a sustainable operation or from yeah. farm to table or whatever that or is or even it has to come from whole foods i'm like supermarket or like those restaurant supply places mm-hmm. they have great they have great produce i was so it was such a shame when stanley's closed down i used to love shopping oh, at stanley's. i love stanley's yeah. and it was so there'll great. never be anything like that again i i don't think there's the there's the economics just doesn't yeah. work out anymore for a place like that but that was a great place that was so sad. when we were selling wraps she made everything that morning right so we mm-hmm. make 100 wraps in the morning 
Which is exhausting, I'm sure. Exhausting. Like you were, she and probably had to wake up early, so early, do the shopping, to do, that. do everything, and then we show up somewhere. And then the at one, counter space, like uh-huh. when you, you, I'm assuming you're doing this from your house. You're doing this at Lou Lemon. Oh, okay, you're doing this at Lou. Yeah, or for the wraps, we were doing but them at the house. But still, like so much. Yes. Space. So we're showing up at somewhere at 1 p.m. And I'm telling you, they're like, we made this this morning. Someone's like, this morning? They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, did I stutter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Only yes, one person said that, but she was like, this morning. I can hear, and then her, she's walking away with her husband. She's like, that food is bad. It's been sitting, it's been, wait, where has it I'm like, no, it's no. not. It's good. It's very good. No complaints. Well, what, what, what's the other option? Like right now, you yeah. want me to make it like. Well, I always thought it was funny when people, one thing I think, and I'm sorry for anyone that's guilty of this. But if you use Grubhub, uh, Uber Eats, DoorDash, any of those services, like you're taking money out of restaurants, mouths. Oh, okay? I used to sure. use. I well, I used to like to sell out of it, right? Yeah, yes. I, sell out of it. They take. They take everything. They take your entire I think margin. The mar- it, it, it's higher now than it used to. Well, be no, Illinois controlled I, it, so Illinois you cannot charge more than fifteen percent. Well, when and I did egregious. it, when I did it, it was twelve percent. Okay, I, and I, it was because they were just starting, starting. Yes. Um, and they were I, just trying to get a bunch of restaurants. I but. met the founder of Grubhub over a decade ago when I was in school, and his entire business model—I met him at an entrepreneurs conference. His entire business model was dependent on just capturing the credit card charge, just the swipe. Uh-huh. So imagine how much money they're making now, and what they like, how they've expanded it. But I, I think it's I think it's terrible because all these companies are really taking money out of the business owner's hands. So see, I'm I'm torn on that because as a business owner, like again, for you it's free marketing, right? Exactly. Yes. So for me, I'm like these people are just like scrolling down Grubhub and they're googling like they're uh, typing in desserts and they're looking for a place to. Uh, pick up cookies and that's how they find me and then like I could potentially get a loyal customer I think it's bad when someone like that's their only option if they keep going so if I know of a place I'm ordering I'm calling them I'm going on their website and that's how I'm ordering but maybe I'll find a place through these services but you you need to get off the platform but the problem is too, like there are some places that don't deliver like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite places to order sushi it's all the way up in like uptown and they do provide delivery but they don't do it all the way yes. to like Lincoln Park well so, I was going to use sushi as an example so sushi kind of irks me because what it's sitting in some guy's Honda underneath yeah. his heater for 40 minutes while yeah. it gets to your house yeah and also like in the summer you're like your 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 car is like this heat yes thing. yeah yeah I I agree with that they do have I'm like do they use that thermal the yeah. bag thing i'm like hopefully they use it but yeah it does and it's just is like something. a velcro top that goes over it. like it oh, does yeah, something with like a uh, reflective inside yes. i'm like okay just not gonna it's one of those things that yeah, you just like don't you, like you don't want to think about it um but no i agree sushi is kind of weird um but i so i am a little torn on the I think it's great for these like smaller, like more like places Startup that styles. They, yeah, I wouldn't have known, like no one really knows about. But I think for the more, um, and then like you know, there's like McDonald's and like Starbucks and stuff. You know that they cut a deal. Yes, with, they're with getting Uber. special treatment. They're getting a better rate. Yeah, they're getting a better. They're getting a much better rate, and those are the places that don't need it. Yeah, so it's I'm. I think it's hard. I think it's tough for those like in between businesses where there's like a loyal following, and that's the 
their only option is to get it from Uber Eats or. Yeah. Um, well, some places have just got rid of it altogether. It well, I think me. if it's bad, then they should just get rid of it altogether. Yes. There's no like, there's no fee for canceling or anything yes. like that. So I'm like, if it really is that bad, then just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, and I think for a lot of businesses, they don't want to deal with like the because it is extra insurance. Like your insurance does go up if you add delivery. Okay. Um, because you now have to insure you're insuring this random person to go take it to some random person's house yeah so that's why um i think a lot of businesses well that's why we still did it through um because you could bypass the insurance that way yeah i don't have to pay for insurance because i'm like oh this is this is on uber eats uber or grubhub or whatever like they're insuring their drivers but if i provide delivery that's a whole nother aspect to my insu- my business insurance, my liability. Sense. So and um, I have now, and then on top of that, I now have to employ a delivery a person. Yeah, yeah. like I Who can't. Wants to do like that? If, if that there's make one person, yeah, if exactly. If there's one person working in my shop, I can't close down the shop because this person needs to make a delivery in the West Loop. Like yeah. I can't. So I think that's why like a lot of places just kind of deal with it. But um, I, I just want because it's I see it with people my age a lot and any business you start out if you if you have the capital to keep this going for ten years then that next generation just thinks it's normal mm-hmm. this is how it works like oh if you want food you go on Grubhub that's the problem I don't want this to be the new way of just uh, that's how I do things right I don't mm-hmm. think to go on the website or I don't think to call the place and they just get intermediated out they get pushed out oh well because I think a lot of people don't. They're like, oh, let's check if it's on Grubhub or let's yeah. check if it's on Uber Eats. They don't actually visit the website. Yes. If they visited the website and it said we provide delivery, then you can obviously well, do. Well, and this this hits me even closer because I look at something like Zillow, and so if you go on Zillow and you or Redfin, oh, yes. and, and you like, if you get an agent there, just know that agent is going to make less money. They're also paying for this lead. So they act like they need the money. So now they're kind of overly hungry for what they should be getting. Mm-hmm. But you're also often going to get an inferior agent because a lot of those are built on a team structure. Are they even in Chicago? Like, do they oh, even yeah. know Chicago? Okay. Oh, oh, maybe. Exactly. All they need is a license. So let's say I'm a team leader in Chicago. I own this. I'm paying Zillow 30 grand a month or whatever I'm paying to get leads. 30 grand a month will get you about 30 phone calls, which means maybe three of those will turn in the business. So then it trickles down and I want to have high margins, right? So I'm just going to find the agent I can pay the lowest amount to that just is like, just knows enough Chicago to show you around. Mm -hmm. And I hope those, and then it comes into, turns into a numbers game. You're not getting a good agent. No. And like, yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's a great platform to see like for, um, it's user friendly and but it is like really, I, I would imagine for agents, it's really frustrating to have something like that because then you're like. Well, so people, agents talk about how many, how much they close and what their, like what their overall production is. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your bottom line? Like how much did you pay to do that? Because we've experimented with Zillow many times. And so basically to make 11,000, to make $10,000, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have $11,000 with the business, but 10 of it's going to go to Zillow. Oh, so it kind of depends on like what, what you're listing. Well, so right? you're, well no, so you're, you're a workhorse essentially. Uh-huh. You're paying Zillow 10 grand for leads, but it's only going to lead into 11 grand of business. So I'm netting a grand. Oh, yeah. So I just showed you places for how long and how much time did I spend on this mm-hmm. just to pay Zillow. Like mm-hmm. Zillow is the silent business partner. So if you want a good agent, what about Redfin? Is Redfin's, Redfin's even worse. Okay. So now Zillow, okay. So Zillow's original model was I'm gonna, you're gonna pay me Zillow 
for leads. I'm going to send you leads and I'm not going to be discriminatory. Not like literally discriminatory, but like you're just going to get leads. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. If you close, you should be, you should come out ahead. And Zillow will be like, yeah, but you didn't make any money, but you'll get a referral from one of those. You'll get repeat business. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Redfin now, Zillow does that. In addition, they have, they've created brokerages in all these different states and Zillow will now do a referral relationship. So one of the, one of the agents in Chicago, for instance, I like this agent. He does a ton of business, but for years, I can't imagine he made much money at all because he was just establishing himself and he has tons of production, but he's paying Zillow a ton of money for the, all the leads. Now he works for Zillow. Mm -hmm. He's paying Zillow 30% uh, for every single lead and they're still feeding him business, but he's not paying out of pocket every month. Now they're just getting younger, they're getting other agents mm -hmm. because they just have this churn of agents mm -hmm. where they're just like, okay, come on in, we'll get this for you. Unless you're doing it over and over and you're comfortable, if you want to make 200 grand, if you're comfortable paying 150 of that to Zillow, mm -hmm. then Zillow loves you. That's what Zillow wants. Yeah. So now that's Zillow model. Redfin does the exact same thing, but they're paying agents a low salary and most Zillow or most Redfin agents you'll meet, they're like, this is my side gig. Like, oh, oh that's great. So real estate's your side gig. That's, that's exactly who I trust to yeah. use, right? Then they'll also use partner agents for the lower price points. So for instance, we're a Redfin partner agent. I use it because I give it to agents that are just starting out so they can learn the business. This is a great way to it. Mm -hmm. But they're gonna make $1,500 off a of sale. Mm -hmm. They're gonna make nothing. But you could still have to hustle. You so, that, that's, like, the, that's the point. So like, you might as well just do another job. Yeah. So if I don't want that, I don't wanna be in that business, and I don't have, I don't have the endurance to work with that many people. The people that work with me get my attention. Like they get a text back immediately or an hour later, like I'm gonna end this, my phone's gonna, my phone's off and I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna go back to it, I'm gonna be getting back to people yeah. the whole time. That all my focus is on them. Mm -hmm. You can't do that with that many people and I couldn't do that if I'm paying 70% no, of everything. No, you have like 70 clients and you're yeah, like, no. con like So when you see are these agents, they're like, looking? I closed two mil $200 million a year. You're like. But how much did you actually How? Make? Yeah. Like, and how many, or how many people do you have? Otherwise, yeah, I'm like, are you just selling like, like, fifty million dollar yes, homes? Like yes. every, yeah, it's like. Or they'll have a team of like thirty people beneath them, mm -hmm. and so you're like, okay, so really, you're a team of like thirty people, and each of you do about five million. Yeah. And you're representing as if all of you do it, and it's just a big fraud. You guys are just all, all yes. like one team. Yeah, you should be really scared. It's like that's like selling sunset, right? Like I don't where know. they have the oh, you don't. I don't watch. You probably that's no. how I am about like no. some baking that's not shows. Real. Everyone's like it's not real. Do you ever watch the Great British Baking Show? And I'm like, I just can't. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I used to love it, but now, or I used to love shows like that, but now sometimes I just can't. Well, like, well everyone thinks a real estate agent's like a, a Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, yeah. or they think they're Ryan Serhan. Yeah, they, well, or like. And they're trying to put me in a box. So, like, which one are you? I'm like, yeah. I, I, I don't watch those shows. I don't know what box you're trying to fit me in or try. Like, I, don't, I can tell I, the people I can tell that do you it. Not, yes. neither, yeah. Well, they have this skewed perception of how real estate works and they think it's going to work that way. I'm like, you watch the 30 minute show where they, the person already bought the house, by the way. And then they went back and went through all these properties because we've been, I've, I've had oh, the opportunity like the, to go on those. I have no interest. Like House Hunters, HG, all those shows, all that stuff's fabricated. HGTV it's all ones, fake. They're yeah. like, okay, I'm a, like they have like a couple and they're like, I'm, I'm a blogger and then yeah. I'm like a. They already closed, they already bought the house. Yeah, and, but then they also have like realistic expectations on like what you can get for like X amount. And I'm like, these are like, 
what's fabricated. They're yeah, like, this is totally what we want. We, we want you to it's have this got, problem. When you renovate a place, they're like, you can build a new two, kitchen two, for like two seven weeks, grand. Two, and I'm like, two weeks and 30 grand. You're like, no, 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 that's impossible. Yes. And they're like, every, you have to get permits for things. Let's start there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then like they, they have like a dedicated show team, yes. which is like heavily staffed. Yes, and yes. then also they're getting sponsorships and like yeah. everything's like at cost. Like they don't, there's no markup. Yeah. I know when we renovated, we, um, I watched a ton of those shows beforehand. So I was like, oh, so this is how much it costs to like got renovate um, my city condo. And it'll, it should take okay, this place, it took like three weeks. So let's just say six weeks. Cause you always double every, you know, like I just didn't think that. And in reality, it was like triple the budget and you took six months. To, yeah. It took, yeah. For us, it took eight months. Most of it wasn't the actual work. Yep. It was the waiting and in designing and designing. I thought that the designing would just, I'm like, Oh, in the shows, they just did it in like 20 minutes. I think let's like, blow out that wall. It's, everything's blow out a wall and open concept. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, they'll invite me to do the demo. Like, I, I get to like put on a hat and like do the demo and like knock it down too. No, like it's. When, whenever someone is interviewed to work with me, whenever they say I watch HGTV and I think I'll be good at that, which is literally about half the people, the interview is going to end within five minutes of that statement, just on the appropriate time I can do it to not be rude. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, how do I like gracefully? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like they don't. Or, or like even like the house hunting ones, they're like, I'm a blogger and I'm like, a, like I'm starting a new business and like. And my budget's it, $2 million. Yeah, my budget, my budget's like a million and a half. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Do your parents have money? Yeah, yeah. I think that's usually the answer. <laughs> usually, but they don't say that in the show. Yes. You're like. You're like, and that's okay. That's fine. If, that, if that's what you're doing, that's perfect. But it's fine. just like so misleading to these people. But then, so well, it's anyways, creating so a generation this... of buyers that are unreasonable to work with. Let me, let me just. Put oh, it that I way. believe that. Well, I think I'm. I'm sure we're we're one of those. But um, I watch um, Selling Sunset, not ju just because it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, and there are these like agents that are, you know, 20, 28, 29, like very young. Yeah. And they're selling all of their listings. All of their listings are like $5 million homes, $7 million yeah. homes. And then, you know, they always do like a, again, you probably don't because you don't watch these shows, but they're like brokers, brokers, uh, brokers fee. Like uh -huh. They always do like a little brokers fee at the bottom. So it's like yeah. 300 grand commission. Yeah. You're like, they wow. Got, but then, but then they don't factor in any of the stuff that you were just talking about mm -hmm. and then of course there's the marketing cost I yeah. imagine it costs a pretty penny to print those very nice pamphlets and like all and then they all these selling sunset in particular they all work for brokerage yes. so they brokerage takes their piece oh yeah yeah and I'm sure it's a pretty penny it's a significant chunk yeah and the, the shame of it is you know if we're selling a $250,000 home or we're selling a million dollar home the marketing is actually about the same Oh, absolutely. For, for us, not for most agents, but for us, like we're doing video, we're doing 3D floor plans, we're doing the best photos, we're doing nice portrait, we're doing it all. Well, for I'm this sure property. it's a, about the same. Yeah. I mean, I would think that maybe like the buyer pool is narrower for like a million dollar home versus a $250 oh, yeah. million dollar home. So but, maybe. You but don't the have marketing to do has to be on par. Because the marketing, I, I want someone, when someone comes and actually looks at the property, mm -hmm. I want them to already know it. 
Well, no matter They've what. already walked through it. They've seen it. They're confident. They're basically here just to make sure it's really what it's supposed to be. Well, no matter what, a picture's a picture, right? Like, if you... Oh, no, I disagree with that. Well, a picture is not a picture. Well, I'm a picture saying, can like, be, like, five different ways, right? But I'm saying, like, for a two... Like, a quarter of a million dollar home versus, like, a million yes. dollar home. Yes. Like, it's going to cost you the same amount to go in for photography for that home. Yes. Versus that home. Sure, maybe, like... It's, it's going to take a little bit more time because there's like more photos. Bigger, yeah. yeah, and then like there are more ang- angles you can go at and like there are more things you want to photograph. But still, a showing is still a showing. Yes. Like, it's still going to be a half hour showing for the quarter. Like, it doesn't take less the, time. It took more you, time to get there than I'm going to spend there a lot of the time. I, be- I, complete, I believe that. Yeah. Like, and I think, so that makes total sense to me. Why Also, why people are always wanting the higher <laughs> Because um, I, I would think that would be so hard to sell a bunch of smaller units. Because that's also more like like a Same two dollar. It's like a two dollar cookie versus like a fifty dollar cake, right? Yeah. Like you have to like hustle more to like. I have to do just as much marketing for like a cookie as I did for a cake, but it's just like a bigger a bigger thing, yeah. So I believe that. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course. We, we, we're, we're way off topic and I know you got places to be and stuff. I mean, we, I don't know. <laughs> what did we not cover? <laughs> did we even talk about the thing that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> I don't even know. So <laughs> Probably if, not. If people want to get your cakes and they want to donate to a good cause, how can they find you? They can find me on my Instagram and they can just message me through there or they What's can. What's your Instagram? Um, Isabel by the park. Isabel with one L. Isabel by the park on Instagram. Yeah. And they can DM you there or go through they the link? Can, yeah, they can DM me there or they can um, click the email button there and email me. But that's the best way. Perfect. Or hopefully they know, maybe they know someone who <laughs> has gotten a cake from me. That's the best way. Good. Thanks so much for doing this, Isabel. Thank you so much for Appreciate speaking it. with me. Absolutely.